0: All right, let's jump out of the Sprint Special Guest Line Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, he's our good friend David Locke. Hello, David.
1: Hey, guys. How are you?
0: Hey, we're oh, doing great, well. man. Yeah, Jake, you're doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm terrific. Well. Awesome. My apologies on yesterday, I screwed
2: up. How's that? That's no good all you excuse, just screwed you up. Had, you had important stuff to do.
1: That's. Um, I did. I got, I got so distracted. I got to see an old friend.
2: You know, David, let me ask you about, uh, we were just talking with Mike Starr about his memories Mm, of the jazz and uh, all the stuff he's compiled, I guess, in a book. And it made me think of you, Uh, you've been studying this team for a long, long time. If you were to single it down to one or two stories, one or two anecdotes that are most memorable to you in your years being around covering the jazz, being a part of it, what would you... uh, how would you answer that? Oh
1: my! I have a terrible memory, so that's um, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I got to thank Jeremiah Jensen. He has put together the most awesome Twitter feed. I must have spent like two hours on it last night, just going back through highlights. I mean, and and I and even better is my hair is in a bunch of the pictures. <laughs> um, never my, it's always my hair and my oversized forehead. That is in a few of the shots in the media sections. What would be, uh, I mean, I think you'll never forget getting off the plane and having all the people there after Stockton shot in Houston. Um, and I mean, having Jim Rome at the Galvin Center would be, but those, I mean, those are kind of the same era. That's the first time through. I mean, that was a pretty special time when we built then 1320K fan up and all of us were together and we were, a little younger and kind of, I was insane and might be still, but I was really insane. Um, so I, I mean, I, you know, those, that, that run, I mean, that, that run is filled, whether it's a dinner with David Halberstam or dinners with Mark Schwartz and, and um, David Aldridge and Dwayne Price and just the whole media, um, just being in the midst of that NBA Finals was just, I mean, that two-year run was just, particularly as a 27, 28-year-old trying to make his way in the business. Like, that was that was pretty insane. Um, um, my biggest memory is jazz-related. Um, Since I've come back, I mean, the Jerry night was pretty incredible. Like, you knew something was going on. We were on the air. Jerry never came out. Like, that was pretty wild. Um, you know, I mean, doing your, personally, doing the first game, replacing Hot Rod was like, I'm not sure I took it. And then Hot Rod joining me when we retired all of his numbers, Hot Rod joined me on the broadcast. I'm really certain I wasn't breathing then. What was the first
2: broadcast like, David, when you were replacing the legend?
1: Well, the first one I ever did was actually in Toronto. He didn't make the trip to Toronto to do a jazz game. Um, and then the first one, you know, what's interesting is the, on that, just sh- on a personal note, is you do the preseason. So I'm terrified during the preseason. Like the preseason, like that's when I had all my nerves. And like by the time we got to the regular season, so that's like the ninth game you've called, and all the media then was walking up to me wanting to know my feeling and emotion about replacing Hot Rod. Like in my mind, I've done it. You know, i would already called eight games. I remember that kind of that juxtaposition. I mean, I was just scared. I mean, like I'd done it before. I, I, you know, you. It's a weird thing you know you're never going to have be as good as or have the same role or have the same importance with the fan base as the person whose job you you know you're ta- you're replacing them and you're not replacing them in the sense that like they like he retired it wasn't unwilling so it but it's a weird dynamic right and you're just um um See, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's insecure and inferior and scared. I mean, it's all those emotions. Like, and you're fulfilling your life dream all at the same time. So it's very strange. The night Hot Rod died, um, that one's pretty vivid. Like, because I couldn't say um, I am a little bit of a crier, um, but I could not say Utah Jazz radio network that night. Like, I just couldn't say it. Like, because in my mind, every time I say it, I hear Hot Rod. Even to even to the day. And on that night, when I tried to say it every time, I I couldn't I couldn't do it. So I had to go to break differently that night because the first two times I tried to say it, I broke down. Um so I don't know. Those are some of them. i not very happy, but um I don't know. Like, that's a weird question. I wasn't ready for that. David, how big of a... Like, am I retiring? Like, am I done? Am I getting fired? Is it over? (laughs) We're never calling radio again? Like, Jesus.
0: It's not over, in fact. Maybe a a small sign this week that we could get something back. Practice facilities, players are allowed to go starting tomorrow. The Jazz uh, is still going to take a couple additional days. But how how good a news is that? How big a deal is that in your mind?
1: I don't actually see that. I don't see that as a very important... Maybe I'm really wrong on this. Um, I see that as a necessity because if we're going to ever move back, we can't have our players working out in public facilities. So we need to open ours to give them the private facilities, which are safer than going, in theory, than going to a big public gym. Um, so I, that's all I see that as. The stories that are much more important to me are what let's... Like, let me see what this proposal of the baseball players are about to throw the union. Let me see the Miami Dolphins stadium lineup. Um, I'm talking to some people in the NBA and realize that, like, every team's figured out how they're going to put fan like, what their stadium allotments are going to be and how the stadiums are going to look and what they're going to do until there's a vaccine for social distancing. Those things are really encouraging to me. Um, much more than the facility. Um, I think, you know, baseball is really interesting. They seem to have moved away from the bubble in Arizona and Florida from a little bit. I read today. And so they're going to try to, because the players didn't want to be away from their families and quarantined all the whole time. So they may try to travel and have games in regular stadiums, just without fans. And I would say if we're having games in regular stadiums without fans, then we're not that far away from having fans. You that That's, I think that's, you know, there's logistics to it, but we can do that. That's the next step, right? Like, it's open baseball, particularly it's open air. Um, most of them, I think almost all of them, are open air. Um, and so, like, the Miami Dolphins proposal had 25% of the crowd, of the fans' seats filled. I've talked to some people around the NBA. That seems to be kind of the the going rate right in two other NBA cities. Not I don't know anything about what the Jazz are doing um, that I've talked to. Um, so, if you know okay so that's that's four thousand and or four or five you know four thousand or five thousand of twenty well okay let 's just do two let's just do you know let 's do fifteen hundred let 's start it somewhere like I, those are the things that I think progressively can go. I thought Adam silvers did an interview this week that was really interesting, and I was just actually on a conference um, about you know the ingenuity of what people are doing it's pretty incredible in regards to. You know, so what do we do with it broadcast and how do we, if we don't have fans, well, maybe we put up huge screens like the NFL drafted and actually have live people in Zoom conference type things watching the game and reacting. And so that you actually are getting some interaction um, or seeing things in those screens from a broadcast standpoint, are we suddenly going to actually have these totally unbelievable broadcasts because um, we can use robo cams everywhere. We can actually have cameras and seats that we never used to have because there aren't going to be people in them. Are we actually going to get a more intense view to the broadcast than we've ever had before? And maybe it's going to be from a fan experience, you know, frankly, for the amount of fans you know, most of our fans never go to a game in an arena. So maybe we're going to make the fan experience a million times better because the broadcasts are going to be, are, are going to have better camera angles and, and better insight. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are taking place right now. And there's a lot of work being done by a lot of really brilliant people. And Adam Silver's at the forefront of it, but you've got great leaders here in our city and, in most, in most of these other cities that are running these franchises, the brightest, of the bright and, um, and so I think there's a lot of really exciting things that are taking place to to, to where we might go next and, and how it's going it's to be different. Like, I think we've got to wrap our head around that. Like, it's, the, it's different. Like, the world's different. We're, like, this, this bizarre, to me personally, what I'm finding really, really frustrating, uh, and this is not as positive a comment, yeah, the world just changed on us like it's this is significant it's not a, it's not made up it's not fake look at new york it's not like come on people like this is no one's making this crap up like the people are dying like it's real and we have to alter how we're doing things so you know one of my favorite parts about calling the game in our broadcast that is i high five probably 50 fans out the door on a win well we're not doing it and then i put a hand sanitizer on yeah well i'm not doing that anymore right we're not doing that but we're going to do something different, right? We're going to find a different way. It's going to be a point. It's going to be something. We'll find our new tradition. We do. That's what we do. But we've got to be willing to embrace the fact that it's changing and it's different. It's going to be new. And maybe that means that for the next two years, we've got, you know, 5,000 fans in the stadium instead of 19,000. And it's a different experience. But maybe that also means that we got better TV angles and going to a games even more special. Instead of going to 30 games a year, you go to 10, and they're really special. I mean, it's just wrapping your brain around it with a positive attitude toward whatever the new
2: is. David, do you uh, do you ever picture in your mind as you're calling a game the reaction of the listener? Because what you just said reminded me of that. I wonder if fans react differently at home or in the car or wherever they are, as opposed to when they're in the arena. You know, and do you when you're when you're speaking to people about the game. What do you picture in your mind's eye?
1: so I think I've said this publicly a few times every night before the game starts. I write down on a piece of paper a listener. Sometimes it's someone I know who I know is listening sometimes it's and depending on the night and the crowd and the listener, I try to envision them differently. So if we're in New York and it's a five o'clock start, then it's then it's, you know, Jake driving home from work, right? Or it's, it's you know, so I'm thinking myself, okay, male, 34, um, fan driving home, going to watch the game on TV. And so I would call the first half of that game with the thought that I'm giving them information and things that they can watch in the second half. Laker game, 8.30 at night. Okay, anybody who really wants to watch it on TV probably can get to TV unless they're working a night shift. Or there's someone who really loves Ron and I. So I've got to die hard on that night. I'm going to go a little stat heavier. I'm going to give a little bit more kind of lock, like some of the signature stuff that people expect from me on that night that they might not get otherwise um, because that's that broadcast. And so I think about that every night. I think about And so, yeah, absolutely. Each night I'm talking to one person who is the person I'm broadcasting the game to that night.
0: David, we appreciate it. As always, thanks for jumping on, and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks. My apologies on yesterday, guys. That was bad. All good, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on today. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.
2: Interesting stuff. Do you think fans react more aggressively or more animatedly at home than they do in the arena?
0: Depends on the fan. I, I, mean, think, I think some fans really enjoy yelling when there's a chance that they will actually be heard. And then I think <laughs> that there are those fans that can cut loose at home because they're not embarrassed by their behavior.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I picture. I picture the guy that's yelling at his TV screen, doing everything but throwing a brick at it and saying all kinds of things. Unless, of course, there's family members there. They might be a little more careful with it. But uh, I, I imagine that... <laughs> could you... Okay, so if you're beaming the image of fans on their couch in their TV den or their man cave back into the arena, I wonder what that would look like.
0: I don't know. I don't know if we'll find out. seems real complicated.
2: If technology continues on, maybe maybe it's uh, more realistic than what we think.